Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. Ephesians 5 and verse 1, the title of this message for you note-takers is who are you imitating? Who are you imitating? We all know that children, they learn by imitating their parents. Now, that can be a very joyful thought, or it can be a scary thought. When my children were younger, they're grown and gone now, but when my children were younger, I can hear them arguing and fussing over something, and I say to myself, oh, my son sounds just like me in there. And that was not a joyful thought. So children learn by way of imitating. And therefore, we're told as Christians that we should be imitating someone as well. And we're gonna be told in these verses who we are supposed to be imitating compared to who we are really imitating. Oh, this is a big difference. Look what it says in verse one. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Now, before I even start, I want to really unfold the t-shirt. So many of you were trying to wonder, I know how you are, you're trying to wonder what it was saying, now you see what it was saying. Ask me the Greek word. Now, when I teach, I use a lot of Greek words. You know, Greek is the language of the New Testament. I use a lot of Greek words not to try to impress you. I've been in ministry a little under 40 years, and therefore, I'm done with trying to impress people. Um, I'm, I'm kind of old now, so I'm done with trying to impress folks. But the reason why I bring up uh, Greek words is to, what well, number one, the Greek language is more expressive than our English language. To give you an example, our English language, we just have one word for love. Uh, We know that there are different types of love. The love I have for my wife is different from the love I have for my children. The love I have for my children is different from the love I have for cheesecake. It's just different, just a different kind of love. Well, we just have one word uh, in the English language, love. Well, the Greeks, they have different words for love because they understood that there are different types of love, like storge. Storge is the love that the parent has for the child and the child for the parent. There is eros, where we get erotic, exotic, it speaks of sexual, sensual love. There is phileo, where where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It speaks of brotherly love. And then there is agape. Agape is a word that was not a part of classical Greek until the apostles introduced it into the language because agape, it speaks of God's love, divine love. It speaks of love that gives and expects nothing in return. It gives with no strings attached. It's God's love. The Greeks knew nothing about this type of love. So this is why I will bring out different Greek words either to expand your understanding on a verse or expand your understanding on that part of the verse. This is how it has opened up the word of God to me and this is how I learn and I know that there are people out there that learn the same way. So, 
Verse 1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I want to draw your attention to the word imitators. The Greek word is mimetis. It's where we get the word mimic from. It means to follow or mimic the pattern or example of a mentor or someone you look up to. So we're told to be mimics of God as dear children. So we're, as children of God, uh, John 1.12 says, for as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to them who believe on his name. So as we repented of our sins, accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we became children of God. And as children, we're told to mimic, follow, imitate God as dear children. The word dear there is agapetos, it's the adjective of agape. He said that we're dear, loved children. Now let me just pause right here and just say that you're loved today. I know maybe you've had a bad week and maybe things are not going well in your life and just realize that you're loved. So often when bad things happen to us, we think that God is angry with us. And we think that this is happening because God is angry, God is mad. In order for God to be mad, or you say God is disappointed with me, in order to be disappointed, it meant that you did something that God didn't know you were gonna do. As if, you know, I can't believe Tony did that. Man, I'm really disappointed in you, bro. No, 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 no. He knew from the foundations of the world you were gonna do that. When I said I wouldn't do it again, he knew from the foundations of the world that you were going to do it again. And you will probably do it again. But you're loved by him. Somebody needs to hear that today. You're loved by him. You're, you're, you're loved. You're beloved. As, as the angel told Daniel in the book of Daniel when he had been fasting for 21 days, he finally got to him and just said, you know what? Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved by God. He said, the first day you, lay, you, you, you put your heart to pray, I was sent with the answer. So you're loved. So we're told to be imitators of God as dear children. Now here's the thing. There are some things that we can do that will hinder us from being imitators of God that we need to talk about. And it's all in the very first word of this verse. Look what it says there, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need to see what is there for, because it is there for a reason. Oh, for you English majors, it is a transitional conjunction that takes us back to what was previously said. So that takes us back to chapter 4. In verse 25, look what it says there, therefore. Now that takes us further back to verses 17 to 24. In those verses, Paul is speaking to the believers in the, in the city of Ephesus, <coughs> in the church of Ephesus, letting them know that there are some things associated with our old life and we need to put those away because they will hinder us from being imitators of God as dear children. Look what he says there in verse 22. That you put off 
concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, <clears throat> Paul is saying that we need to put off the former man, the former conduct, the life we used to live before Christ, we need to put it off. That phrase, put off, the Greek word is apothemi. It's an amazing Greek word. It's the word that is used throughout the New Testament. Yo, you recognize that word, apothemi. You remember in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1? You remember what it says? It says, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnare you. The word lay aside is apothetemi. You remember in 1 Peter 2.1, it says lay aside all malice. Lay aside apothetemi. James 1.21, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay aside apothetemi. It's throughout the New Testament. It's a word that means to put off, to discard that uh, of dirty clothing, meaning that at the end of the day, we're going to take these clothes off and we're going to discard them. We're going to put them in a hamper. We're going to put them in a washing machine. We're going to take them off and discard them. That is the idea of apothetemi. It means to take off, to put away, to lay aside, to put off our former conduct, which grows corrupt. It's constantly growing corrupt. That life that we once lived, we have to put it off. Now, when God tells us to take something off, he's not going to leave us naked. He's going to tell us to put on something. Look at what it says in verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which was uh, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And that you put on in duo. Uh, the word in duo is a word means to slip on something new, to, to slip on a new garment. You know how it is when you got a new outfit on. Somebody got a new outfit on this morning. You put it on, you just looked at, you know how you do it. You looked at, look, you just, you like that new outfit. That's the idea. That we're to put on the new man. We're to put on Christ Jesus and make no provisions for the flesh, uh, uh, Romans 13, 11 says. We're putting on Christ. We're to apothetemi, put away the old man, the old life, the old you. And you're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to talk about some things that is a part of our old life that will hinder us from being children of God or imitators of God as dear children. Look what it says in verse 25. Therefore, put in the way lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The first thing we're told to put away, but I want you to notice something. Therefore, put in the way lying. Guess what the Greek word for put in the way is in verse 25? Apothetemi. Put away, the first thing is lying. A lie will slip out of our mouths as fast as you will ever think. A lie. That's the first thing. Because lying is a characteristic of Satan. John 8, says Satan is the father of lies. Those little babies that you have, you know, I have seven grandkids now. Those little babies you have, you think they're just sweet little babies. They're little sinners. I know you think they're sweet. No, don't give them a pacifier. Don't give them, if you're nursing, don't give them yourself or don't give them a bottle. They will squeal. They will cry. They will wake up the house. They're little sinners. 
The Bible says in Psalm 58 verse 3, it said those little sinners come out speaking lies. You didn't know that verse was in there, did you? That's a great verse. But they're so sweet. They're sweet little sinners. And they need to be saved. And the thing about it is, is that the first thing we need to do is put off lying. He said, why? Why? Because we're members of one another. Or lying will break up the unity of the body of Christ. We lie all the time. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Oh, man, everything's great, man. Had a great week, man. God, God is good. <laughs> your wife left you. You lost your job. And the sky has fallen. But though you told Jeff that everything is good, we lie all the time. Let me give you a picture of what I'm talking about, how we lie to each other. You remember Moses when he went on top of the mountain? He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and when he came down, he was glowing. Because 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. So Moses spent time with the God who is light. When he came down, he was glowing. The amazing thing about that is the Bible says that Moses had to put a veil over his face. Now, I was always, I was always blown away by that. I was, I, I just thought that the Israelites were like, Moses, man, your face, whew, bro, your face is just glowing, bro, cover that up, bro. We can't, we can't take that. That's not what was happening. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 that Moses put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not see that the glory was fading. Therefore, we come to church with veils over our faces, and it's not because of COVID. We come to church so we can veil ourselves so no one can see that we haven't been in God's presence lately. And so we lie to each other. Everything's fine. Everything's great. <laughs> and we lie to one another because we don't want people to look into our lives and see that we're not as spiritual that we're trying to come off to be. Everybody can use the phraseology. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And everybody can use the phraseology, but you don't want to put people to really see what's happening in your life. So you come to church with a veil. And we lie all the time. Oh, I can keep going, but I got so much to cover. So I'm going to let that just marinate with you. So the first thing we must put off, apothecary, we must put off lying. And then he says in verse 26, look at this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Notice, be angry. Orgizo is the Greek word for anger. Um... It speaks of being provoked. It speaks of being irritated. It, it, you know, a form of this uh, Greek word, word is used in Ephesians 6.4. You remember it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word provoke there is par or gizzo. Same word. It means to be provoked. It means to irritate. Notice it says, be angry and do not sin. There is something that happens as soon as we get angry. The clock starts ticking. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And there's a reason for that. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. This is why I tell couples, married couples, never go to bed angry. Because when you wake up, 
something happened overnight as you let the sun go down on your anger. Watch this. Be angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. When you and I allow the sun to go down on our anger, we give Satan a place in our lives to do something. When Satan comes, when we allow the sun to go down on our anger, when Satan comes, he brings a buddy with him. And his name is bitterness. Bitterness is nothing but anger that the sun has gone down on. Watch this. Notice he said, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your, your anger or on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You have seen someone who tried to close the door and you stick your foot in there to keep them from, from closing the door. We give Satan place when we let the sun go down on our anger. And there's a progression. There's anger, bitterness, hatred, murder. There's a progression. This is why we must deal with anger as soon as the emotion grips us. We have to deal with it. Or Satan is gonna come and watch this. This is amazing. Nor give place to the devil. The devil, the Greek word is diablos. It means slanderer accuser. This is so good. Watch this. When you and I allow the sun to go down on our anger, we give Satan place to turn us into the Diablos. Then we become the slanderer and accuser of the person or people that we're angry with. And therefore, ladies, sometimes you become the Diablos against your husband. And I've seen this happen many times. And mom, and guess what? He did it again. I can't believe he did that. Ah, oh, you have been turned into the Diablos against your husband. And I've seen this happen many times. Or you become the Diablos against your boss, or against your coworker, or against whoever your neighbor, whoever it is that you're angry with. If you don't deal with the anger, the sun goes down, you give Satan place to turn you into the Diablos. Oh, I've seen this happen many times. Well, first, people have become the Diablos against a, a group of people, against a, a, a people on the job, the neighbor that you're sick of. And this is why we got to put it away. Apothetemi. We got to put it away. Because Satan will turn us into who he is. And we're told to be imitators of God as dear children. And when we allow the sun to go down on our anger, give place to the devil, then we are become imitators of Satan and not God. Oh, it's quiet in here. That's all right. That word is good, though. That's all right. It's good. You just, it's a big pill that you're trying to, trying to swallow. That's all right. It's good. But this, this is the word. Allow the word to go on down there. We're just getting started. Look at the next verse, verse 28. Let him who stole, past tense, steal no longer, present tense, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let him who stole, the, the Greek word is kleptos, 
is, of course, where we get kleptomaniac. It means to take something that doesn't belong to you or it belongs to someone else. Kleptomaniac is a person that can't stop stealing. So it says, let him who stole past him steal no longer. Now, here's the thing. We can steal in many ways. We can steal the credit that belongs to someone else. We see this in 1 Samuel 13 when King Saul stole the credit that belonged to his son, Jonathan. Jonathan won a great victory for the Israelites. And when all the people got together and was like, yeah, oh, and here it is, King Saul took the credit. Instead of giving it to his son, he took the credit. So that's one way we can steal. We all know we can steal by not tithing. Malachi 3, verses 8 through 12, it says, will a man rob God? So we can steal by not tithing. See, many people say, well, I'm just not giving. No, it goes beyond you not giving. You're robbing God. That's a big difference. You rob somebody out here, you can get you a fancy pants lawyer to get you off. Who can get you off if you rob God? Who who can you go to? You're robbing God. You you, You rob the source. And before some of you, you know, thinking you're, you know, you are what I call an internet theologian. You can find whatever you want on the internet and everybody trying to find some site that said that tithing is not for the New Testament. Just, so just in case you're one of those, tithing preceded the law because brother tithing is under the law. Tithing preceded the law by 400 years when Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of what he had. In Genesis 28, Jacob said, Lord, if you bring me back to this place, I promise to give you a tenth of what I have. Why didn't he say a ninth? Why didn't he say a thirteenth, a fourth? Why did he say a tenth? Because it's obvious that that's what God required. So tithing was before the law, in the law, and after the law. All you got to do is chase down Matthew 23, 23, and you understand that. So... We can steal in those types of ways. And so the reason why God has blessed you with the great jobs that you have is so you can be a giver. Notice it says give to those. He says instead of stealing, let him labor, working with his hands what is good that he may have something uh, uh, to give him who has need. The reason why God has blessed you with some material wealth is so you can give to those who are in need. There is always going to be someone in need. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. There's always going to be someone in need to give to. And that's why God has blessed us. Watch this. We are most like God when we give and when we forgive. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. We're most like God when we give, for God so loved the world that he gave. And when we forgive, and I get to that in a minute. So this is what the word of God is letting us know, that stealing, we got to put that off. We got to put that off. But rather let him labor with his hands to give to those who have need. Then verse 29, oh, verse 29. Oh, boy, verse 29. Oh, let me get there. I'm wasting valuable time. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Honey, how am I doing time-wise? Okay, all right. Let no corrupt word. The, The Greek word for corrupt is sapros. It's a word that means spoiled, rotten, 
something that is not edible. It speaks of spore rotten fruit. You know, it, it's like you get you know, a bunch of bananas one day and tomorrow it's like, what happened? Uh, you know, a rotten fruit spoiled, uh, veggies, and th that's the idea. Something that is no longer edible. So he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. I am shocked, amazed, appalled, and appetered when I hear of Christians who use profanity, can cuss you up one side down the other. I'm shocked. I have relatives who call them to, oh, I love the Lord, and they will cuss you up one side down the other. Uh, guys calling their wife, wives the B word, I'm shocked, and then call themselves Christians and say, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises, and then get in the car and cuss his family out upside one. I, I don't understand that. Uh, James said in the book of James, James chapter 3, he said, he said, brethren, out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. He said, these things are not to be. He said, when you go to a water fountain, is there a button for fresh water and a button for bitter water? No, it's all one type of water comes out. So I'm shocked at this, and let me tell you why. In Matthew uh, 12, verse 34, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, meaning that the tongue goes down into the well of the heart and brings up what is there. Ephesians 3, 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So if Christ is in my heart, then the tongue will go down into the well of the heart and bring up that which is Christ-like, that which is biblical, that which is of Christianity. When I got saved, August 26, 1985, when I was in the Marine Corps over in Okinawa, Japan. There we go. I knew I was going to find one. When I was in the Marine Corps, prior to that, my girlfriend who is now my wife of over 36 years. She used to always say, when we were teenagers, we've been together 41 years and been married over 36 out of 41. So when we were teenagers, she used to always say, you have such a, a, a filthy mouth. It's just such a, a filthy mouth. And so when I got saved, when I repented of my sins, the first thing, God cleaned up was this filthy mouth. Because see, the mouth is the first place salvation should be seen. If Christ is in our hearts, the tongue goes down into the well of the heart and brings up what is there, then the first place salvation should be seen by everyone is our mouths. God, within one week, the Lord cleaned up my mouth. And then if a curse word slipped out, I was like, I was mortified. God cleaned up, cleaned, one week, cleaned it up, completely cleaned it up. Because if Christ is in our hearts and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, everybody around us should know that we are Christian. By the words we say, that's the first place. So for me, for me, I question 
someone's salvation if they claim to be a Christian and they curse like a sailor and can curse their families, I, ju- I question their salvation. Well, Pastor Tony, you're judging them. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 say, he who is spiritual judges all things. You didn't know that was in there, did you? No, you well taught. You did. You did know that. You just ignored it. He who is spiritual judges all things. Oh, boy. My, my wife gave me the signal that I'm, I'm, I'm at the countdown now. Okay. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. See, the, the word edification was a Greek construction word that means to build up. We should be speaking words that build up and not words that tear down. Does profanity tear people down? Then why are we using it? I mean, there's, there's 31,102 verses in the Bible, so we don't have to use profanity. We can use one of these verses. The Bible says, let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that we may know how to answer each person. That when people, right here it said that it may impart grace to the hearers. So when we speak, it should be imparting grace to those who are hearing it. You using profanity, is that imparting grace? We got, we, we're told to apothetheme, using profanity or allowing corrupt words to proceed out of our mouths will keep us from being imitators of God as dear children because we have to ask ourselves, would God use this language? If we're being imitators of him as dear children, we gotta, will God use this language? And don't you lie on God. And don't you lie on the French and just say, I was just speaking French. No, that's English and bad English. That's not French. Excuse my French. That's not French. (laughs) Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed to the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is lupeo. It means to cause pain to. So when we lie, allow the sun to go down on our anger, when we give place to the devil, when we steal, when we allow corrupt words to proceed out of our mouths, we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God in us is doing this. Ooh. It's grieved. If I was the Holy Spirit, I would have been like, I'm out of here. But no, the Bible says we're sealed to the day of redemption. We're sealed to the day of redemption. So we got to put off grieve in the spirit. Let me just say this. The spirit of God is in us to not only produce the fruit of the spirit and one of the fruit, or let me just say this. The fruit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit singular of the spirit is love, agape love. Out of agape love comes joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and long-suffering, self-control. Notice, if the Spirit of God is to produce joy in us, when we are grieving the Spirit, it is no longer producing joy. And you know what the result of that is? A bunch of Christians who are depressed because the very Spirit that's supposed to produce joy in you, you're grieving. And if the Spirit is grieved, you cannot experience his joy. Now, please, like I said last night, 
save your emails, your private Facebook messaging, talking about, well, depression, and there's clinical depression. Save it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christians grieving the Spirit of God and wonder why they are depressed. I ain't talking about some clinical, and I take medicine. Well, take your medicine. Please do. I'm talking about Christians who are grieving the Spirit, who are lying, who are allowing the sun to go down on their anger, who are giving place to the devil. They use corrupt words. They're stealing and wondering why the Spirit of God that's supposed to produce joy in them is not doing it because he's grieved and you wonder why you are depressed. That's what I'm talking about. Like I said, save your emails, save your phone calls, save your messaging on Facebook or social media, Instagram, save them. Number one, I won't read them. And as soon as I get halfway through and see where where it's going, I'm, I'm going to delete it. Because that's not what I'm talking about. Well, Pastor, I was sitting there and I'm a doctor of something. I don't care. Not talking about that. Save it. We used to say, for those of you my age and older, we used to say, save the ink. Uh, We don't use that term. We barely use ink. Okay, I got five minutes, my wife said. So I got to, I got, oh boy. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Uh, What I love about this verse is one word. It says, let all. You know why that is so critical? Because there is some anger and bitterness that we feel justified in holding on to. My husband left me for his secretary and left me with four babies. I'm justified in holding on, let all anger, bitterness. Well, my partner ripped me off. We started this company. He stole the money and let, let all bitterness. My neighbor, boy, I tell you, he let all anger and bitterness. See, some we feel justified in holding on to. And he said, no, let it all go. Not only let anger and bitterness, but notice what he says there, and I'm running out of time. I probably got three minutes now. (sighs) Let all evil speaking, evil speaking. The Greek word is blasphemia. It's where we get blaspheme from. It means to to destroy or ruin someone's reputation or their character. On social media, it's evil speaking. I can't tell you how many Christians speak evil of other. Christians are some of the meanest, nastiest people I've, out on the face of the earth. I've come across non-Christians. I used to be associated with non-Christians who, were not, who didn't act like some Christians. I'm, the stuff I see on social media, and I call that the, 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 cowards, the coward media. Because you're saying stuff over social media that you would never say to that person's face because you're too cowardly to do so. There's stuff, they they will blast you at once. Christians are some of the nastiest people today I've ever seen in my life. And I'm part of the Christian community. But the stuff I'm seeing on social media, I'm like, what what Christ y'all serving? Last time I checked, the Bible says in, in Titus 3, 2, speak evil of no man. And folks just blast folks. Up. 
I'm just like, and also in Proverbs 6, it says six things the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to him, and one is sowing discord among the brethren. I'm like, and watch this, and I'm talking about from pastors, people of my ilk, and I go around the country and I just blast them. I just say, y'all teaching this thing, but you're not following it. You're blasting other pastors all in the name of truth. Oh, I can't get on that because I'm out of time. I just, we need to put it away. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. Christians are no longer kind, and we need to be. We need to be tenderhearted. We're the opposite. We're hard-hearted. And we need to, we need to, check, we need to check this stuff at the foot of the cross. We're, we're told to apothemy. Lay it aside, discard it. Notice that be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. We're most like God when we give and forgive. Forgiving one another. Here's the thing. Our definition of forgiveness is, I forgive you, but I won't forget. God doesn't leave us room to give ourselves that definition. Let me give you the biblical definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is treating the person as if the offense never occurred. That's true biblical forgiveness. Here's the thing. Isn't that how God forgives us? So, I don't have time. I, don't, I just don't have time. So, let me wrap it up with this. We're told to put away lying let each man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're told to be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but let, rather let him labor, working with his hand, that he may give to those who have need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that he may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you're sealed to the day of redemption. He said, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Don't do it. Let all anger, bitterness, wrath, evil speaking, clamor be put away with all malice. Be kind to one another, forgiving, tenderhearted, even as God for Christ forgave you. And when we put all of that away, chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Father, we pray that you would just bless us, Lord. We, we need your mercy. We need your forgiveness. We need your kindness towards us because, Lord, we've made a mess of our lives. Lord, I pray for those who are here today. Lord, I pray for those who need to repent. There are some who need to repent because of the words out of their mouths. There are some that are still angry and bitter towards someone. Forgive us, Lord. Have mercy upon us. Lord, there's those who are still holding on to unforgiveness. Oh, God, forgive us. You've forgiven us so much. And Lord, have mercy upon us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.